Untitled Podcast is a part of the Kansas Google Education Group Network and also the Mace Kansas Network. You can find more information about episodes and guests at www.untitledpc.net. Welcome to Untitled Podcast. My name is Travis True. And I'm Carol Nelson. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. Today we have Stacy Green. She is the principal at Stockton Grade School. Stacy, will you introduce yourself and share with our listeners your journey in education, how you ended up where you are? Yes, thank you for having me as your guest. Um, I, as you said, I'm Stacy Green. And ironically or not, I've been here 31 years in this district. And for a lot of people, you can take that either way. They'll like, oh boy, you've been here that whole time. You didn't go out and grow. Or you can look at my journey and say, oh boy, you stayed there 31 years and you've really grown. So I like to look at it from that take and that um, I started here at Stockton in 1990 as the first preschool special education teacher. So I was able to launch that program and to begin a journey that I'll share about towards the end here. Um, After that, moved into some kindergarten and first grade teaching um, and then into um, Title I and some curriculum instruction, which led me into the um, role I'm in now with and the principalship. And I've been with this eight years. And the reason I come full circle with that preschool, one of the visions we had, again, almost 30 years ago was being able to be um, a place in the community we could offer preschool to all students. And this took a long time, partially because of funding, building space and that. But now this is the first year we've offered universal preschool um, to our community. And so we went up to 41 students we served this year um, and three and four-year-olds and look for that to grow in the years to come. And we know that that alone will be a game changer for our um, ongoing school improvement. It's great. It's, it's fun to hear the journey that we take that leads us to where we are currently. So as principal, um, you know, sometimes um, our classrooms can be pretty isolated. Um, how have you moved your building from an isolated individual classroom focus to an integrated, responsive and collaborative environment um, where teachers can lead the whole child and with the whole school in mind? So when I came into the principalship, like I said, eight years ago, one of my um, my foundational parts to moving into this role was to build a school where um, we weren't in silos, where I knew as a Title I teacher moving in and out of classrooms, there were a lot of amazing things happening room to room that we didn't know about even as with our neighbors being right there. So that was one of the visions I had was for us to be able to um, learn to lean on each other more, find the strengths that we each had in-house and to grow and learn from each other. And then as we moved through um, the next couple of years and then um, submitted our application to become one of the Kansas redesign schools, that was really our foundation to that application was that we knew we had a lot happening in our building in isolation that we needed to make into a systems change. So through that, like you used the words, that whole child, whole school in mind, um, 
it's not uncommon to walk up and down our halls today, even with stable groups and masking and, and all those things to find us leaning on each other more. Like if we have a first grade student that's, um, we have some reading concerns with, and may have started with that first grade teacher gone to the title one. And just here a few minutes ago, I sat down with that student because that's my background. So if they can lean on, we lean on each other and whether that be through academics or through social emotional, we're not afraid to say, this is my child for this year. We look at all kids in all spaces and, and find the strengths to, to rely on each other to, to help that child blossom into who they can be and that whole person. So what does, to get to that point and get away from those siloed classrooms, what does professional development look like? Um, and more specifically, personalized professional development for your building? That's evolved more in the last few years. Again, um, came on um, some things that happened with our redesign. We, we started out, we were doing some great professional development prior to redesign, but it was pretty much like we'd come together as a K-12 group. And that's really difficult to present PD to meet the needs of those teachers at that early grade, as well as my content-based high school teachers. So, you know, some things were a nice um, social emotional development might fit that whole group. Um, but when you get into reading um, practices or get into um, project-based learning, some of those things needed to be more focused per grade level. So as we began to break down um, personalizing instruction for our students through the redesign process. We started talking about how can we personalize PD for each teacher so that he or she gets what they need in order to move up and, and be better for our students. Again, we know that that teacher growth is going to have the biggest impact on student growth. So just focusing on that, we use a lot of um, rubrics and um, ed elements is an organization we followed and their philosophy for personalized instruction so we can put that into play with um personalized pd so for instance let me just back up to last um i have to think about my days of the week a couple weeks ago we had a pd day and again we had some things that fit for all of us but there were several blocks of the day that just named personalized PD. So as I walked around the building that day, I crossed the hall to the art room and she was working on some videos that she needed access to in order to start a next, next project with um, um, her class. Uh, down the hall a little ways, I met up with a librarian who's done an amazing job as our technology instructor too. And she was looking at some personalized PD for herself that met her needs, therefore the needs of her student. Also with redesign, we did a great job um, before we launched giving all staff some PD that they needed with the areas we were moving into. But since that time, we've had new staff come on. So in order to onboard them and to get them the information they need and the, the personalized approach they need, then we might look at different things for them in order to meet them where they are. So it sounds like um, you give them a lot of flexibility in what they what they choose to, to do with that time. How do you build that trust um, to know that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing at that time? Um, and then also what, what are, um, what are some options that they have towards their per, uh, personal personalized PD? So we um, host um, through Greenbush, the PDP toolbox, so on that, they can go and input notes, um, they can upload um, agendas, they can upload their um, sheets that they might get documenting that they watched um, 
a class and took the quiz. Um, it, it really comes down to trust is something that's built in the culture. And yes, you might specifically ask me about how that fits into PD, but it truly fits across what we do day in and day out. Every person that we hire, um, treat them like a professional. They're coming in and I am not here to micromanage. I am not here to, to check mark that they um, set for the hour long that they needed to. There just becomes that trust process that happens through the culture building. But I think more importantly than that is that um, it comes out in the day-to-day -day classroom. I know based on what they've put in on their professional development time, I'll see that start to unfold in the classroom or I can ask more questions about what they've read, what they've viewed, um, who they've spent time with. Because sometimes collaboration is one of our strongest um, PD tools. If I've got a teacher in the building who's doing amazing things with um, maybe personalized instruction and I pair another teacher with them and they together can, can do some modeling and reflecting together, to me, that's more important than some credit hours. So granted, I know on the PD process that that credit hour process comes into play, but there's a lot of ways to grow um, by pushing each other and replicating what's already happening in a building. What kind of unique um, opportunities do your do your teachers have for PD that may be a little bit different than, than what's offered traditionally? This year has been probably most unique because everything has gone virtual. So we might be able to sign up for conferences that we would normally not get to attend to in person and watch those um, later. Um, other than that, I would say just through the redesign process, we've networked significantly with other schools across the state, other teachers across the state. So we're constantly learning from them and maybe trying things that they've um, had access to and then we can log into as well. Um, trying to think of some specific things, Travis, that might be a little bit more unique. Like I think back to my early PD and for me, it was typically just um, coursework or the PD seat hours that I had here. But now I think back to, we use the McCrell um, teacher evaluation tool. And there are so many things in there that talk about the action research. And so for some of our staff that are ready for those next steps and have, have started maybe some project-based learning and they've seen that work in their classroom and they can show me the research that shows that kids are more engaged and are reaching the standards in a different way, then we can use that to tie back and, and create some professional development for them too. So just a lot more, um, it's living, living that PD, living that change than it did maybe before when we were just looking at points and proceed hours. Mm. Yeah, talk to us a little bit about living out the PD with uh, trauma-informed practices. Um, how have your teachers embraced that and how's it improved your staff's capacity for supporting and self-care and trauma prevention? We had actually um, scheduled with Rebecca Pankretz Lewis of ESDAC prior to being a redesign school. We knew that um, our student body was shifting. We'd seen that in the last couple of years um, prior to like 2017. And while we are a small rural community, and really, if you look at our numbers, you know, our diversity isn't high when some people might think about diversity in an urban area. But what we kept seeing over and over was a number of children who came with trauma that we hadn't seen before. And as we began to serve those children and prepare them for the academic life, we found there were more things getting in their way that um, we needed to work on before we could work on the academic piece. So. And we weren't trained for that. We, that was not something that we came out of our pre-service with. Um, maybe teachers that were coming to us from other school districts hadn't had that background. It was pretty new. So Rebecca came out initially and spent two days with us um, 
We did the poverty simulation. We did a couple of book studies prior to her coming in. And all those things started to open our eyes to um, looking at that whole child and what and what it was that we needed to do in order to change our environment to not be so much punitive, but to be more responsive. And with that has come a lot of layers. And I we, we don't have enough time here to talk about those last four or five years, but it's been incredible to watch our staff. Um, first of all, our, our number one goal for redesign or KISA however you want to label it. our number one goal is that social emotional development that we want every child to come to school and feel safe to have at least one trusted adult that they know they can go to um, for service and support. Um, and then out of that, we've had a number of things that we've embedded. Um, we have community groups that meet. Um, they did meet every morning prior to COVID. Um, we're going to start folding those back in here once in April and once in May, but initially, um, we were doing that once a week and kids were asking for it more. They felt like they needed, they liked that group of students that they always could count on that same adult they could always count on. And um, so we moved that to daily in the 2017, 2018 year. And from 810 to 850 every day, we would meet um, with that solid, excuse me, 810 to 840, first 30 minutes, that same group would meet. And then from that, um, we launched our social emotional um resources. We chose not to go with a program. We wanted to develop our own based on our touchstones, which are our core values. Um, habits of work um, also used um, um, the habits of mind. Um, so several things within that. And each group had the, the topics that were similar, but they changed up the activities to meet their particular group of students. So those community groups, again, like I said, previous to this year, met every morning for 30 minutes and then um, from that, we embedded that same um, social emotional throughout the whole day. So if a student came to see me either for a good news call or for a redirection of behavior, I knew what Tiger Touchstone they were working on in their community group. And I could fold that into either a reward um, a celebration or a, um, a redirect if that would be needed. So again, it just we wanted to make it so it, it was their whole day and not a 15 to 20 minute lesson that we were providing. So with this kind of this, this question had a lot of layers to it. Um, whenever you start working with students who have trauma and you're building those relationships with them and you're, and, and oftentimes our staff finds once they begin to trust you, oftentimes that's when the more difficult behaviors will feel like they're targeted at you because you're that trusted adult to them now and they feel safe enough to unload. So we've learned through that secondhand trauma that we've got to find ways to um, lean on each other. If I'm walking down the hallway and I hear or see a situation, just kind of making eye contact with that teacher. Do you need me or not need me? Um, there's been a time or two that I don't give them that choice that I might just, we'd call it tap out and give them that permission to tap out and let me step in or another trusted adult step in just so they can go um, and, and regulate themselves. So it's, it's, it's so hard to explain that. And just in a, you just have to be here and live it. Um, and I think that as our students have been, I was just talking with a group of seventh graders over lunch today, and I think it's become so embedded for them and they've now acquired strategies that they oftentimes don't even realize the ways that they're self-regulating. Whereas maybe three or four years ago, we were talking about like, what tool would you use? Um, what can you do here? They've just have learned to embed those in their day. What would be a tool that you would draw out from things that you've learned that teachers could 
implement themselves, if that makes sense. What could, what is a tool that a teacher could take that hasn't had the training that your teachers have had that they could just take away from this, you know, and implement for themselves, either for self-care or um, stress relief, something along those lines. Our very basic go-tos every single time are drink water. That, that rinse and that cortisol off the brain is one of the first things we talk about the breathing as simple as that sounds, even by stepping back and taking that breath that allows that gap of time between what's happening and what you need to do to respond. Um, we, during the springtime, um, as much as possible, being outside, getting a walk, the walk and talk. So that self-care of, of adding some movement into the day, those are kind of our typical go-tos. Um, we've built some more elaborate things within our building and some, some resources and um, a regulation room that has more tools. But I would say those would be the very basic things um, that would work for just about anybody. Walking, watching some kids this morning doing some yoga, you know, it's fun to see little pre-K boys on the floor doing their yoga thing. But again, all these things in the long run will, will embed some healthier life habits as adults. That was one of the things that I remember having a, a very vivid conversation with a board of education member who was going through our building. And we also have had previous again to COVID um, peace corners in our classrooms, or at least a space where a student could go within the classroom to use their tools to self-regulate. And he said to me, but I'm an adult and the bit, place of business I go to, I don't have a peace corner. But as I walked him through the process of, yes, this is more of a structured place and it gives them um, more of a concrete way to regulate. As adults, we find those places to go on our own, whether we realize we're doing that or not, or we find the strategies that we can embed, whether we realize we're doing it or not. But for some of our kids, they need that, that concrete approach to learning how to, to regulate and be aware of it. All right, we're gonna switch gears a little bit. Um... Carol and I are both, we do a lot of PD. We're both Google certified trainers and we, we like to geek out on, on tech. So um, we want to know as a principal, what is your favorite tech tool to use? So I'm not Google certified, but I'm all things Googled. Um, if you looked at my computer, you would say, oh my goodness. And I rely on some staff members who do have that training, but definitely um we use a Gmail, first of all, to communicate with each other, but we've got a lot of shared documents that we can go on and, and keep with each other. We use the keep for the, for the, for the ways to embed things. Our slides um, are constantly, um, there's all the Google tools typically are our go-tos, but it's also been amazing to watch through, um, through our redesign, some different personalization tools. We'll be able to draw, you know, using the flip grid, um, lots of different, um, the Google um, meets. So we've, we've gotten a little bit better at some other things too. The kids are always teaching me things if I can get close to them and share the things that they're trying and using and not afraid to, to, to teach another person to use. Those are all great. Um, Keep is one of my favorites and it's kind of the, it's one that not a lot of people know about mm -hmm. Keep is, and it's, um, yeah, I, I uh, find myself using it more and more and finding different ways to use it. It's really, um, I, I almost have more shared notes on Keep than I do Google Docs because, you know, during meetings, we I just keep notes on Keep instead of in Docs. So, uh, yeah, those are all those are all great. And then I'm oftentimes a paper pencil gal too. Sometimes I've just got to dump it quick and I've, I've got a good handy plan. Here just for that as well, so, yeah. 
Well, our last question is one that we ask everyone that we have on the show, um, trying to continue to think positively about this kind of negative time of COVID. So what is something that you will take away from this time of teaching, being a principal during COVID that you will continue forward? Um, something positive that you, a positive takeaway from it all. I think for me, um, it's just the awareness of others and what their capacity is at a time that, um, whether it be a pandemic or just a time of change, that word capacity um, has just grown um, a whole new meaning for me. I'd, I'd given it a lot of thought prior to this, but I think during this time, I just really stop and consider um, and even having conversations with my staff, sometimes early on, it was like, you know, how much intake of media are you are you participating in? What does that do to you on a day-to-day basis? Um, what are you doing for self-care? So just really um, being more and more in tune with my staff and what their capacity is to um, provide what we need for our students day-to-day by meeting their basic needs and also taking that capacity to one more level with our parents. And I feel like that as we last spring at this time, we'd moved into that remote piece. Um, we'd always ask our kids, do you think teachers understand what life is like for you at home? That's one of the questions on our culture survey. And we thought we might know what things were like at home, but I think after being on Zoom with them and, and Google Meets and all those things last spring and even, even into this year with some quarantine kids is that we truly probably do have a better idea of what life is like at home for them. And they know that as well. So I think just building a different relationship with them as the, that capacity is for parents, um, what their day-to-day lives look like, and then what they need to do to provide what students need for school, and then that teacher capacity. And I think for me, it's just going to be a more of awareness to pause and think about and realize that everyone's giving the best they have at this time and to, to appreciate that and to support them. That's great. Well, Stacy, thanks for coming on and sharing your story with us. We always like to hear what's happening and good things are happening up up in Stockton. Um, if somebody wants to connect with you, um, where can they f- where can they find you? Are you on Twitter or can they find you someplace else? Twitter is my main focus for professional um, connection. And so I'm at, at USD271SGS. I also have some um, activity on Facebook that tends to be kind of more my more personal level. But yeah, definitely email as well. Um, I do a lot of um, Zooming with principals and other teachers across the state. My staff does as well. While we can't go and visit right now, we feel like we're still staying very connected and, and learning from others as well as being able to share um, the journey we've been on. And just to remind everyone, um, we'll put... Um, we'll we'll have her Twitter account and any other resources that were mentioned uh, in the episode here. We'll have those on the show notes on on the episode page, so you can check those out. So you don't have to go searching for Stacy's Twitter account or any of the other resources. So um, again, Stacy, thanks um, thanks for coming on. It was great to um, to hear your story, and then um, we'll. See everybody on the next episode. Bye. Yeah.